of a birthing. That something is being born. That something's about to be born. But let me let me just throw out a challenge before I throw out another another fifty thousand challenges during my message today. It's not all on the shoulders of your of your pastors and your leadership to carry to carry this fire, to carry this message, to 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 carry this heart. This is a family. You've been put in this particular family for a reason. This particular part of the big body of Christ, you're here for a reason and you're here to serve and you're here to give. And Jesus Christ, from the moment you you became who you've always been meant to be in him, has birthed in you gifts and talents and character. Every single one of you has has been saved on purpose for purpose. But if you put the full weight of everything that you are in Christ on your pastors and on your leadership team, then you're in big trouble. Because they can't carry, they can't carry for you the fire that God's put in you. I was going to say this later on in the message, but I feel, I feel led to go into it now. But the church of Jesus Christ largely has, has, become, has become about maintenance and it's become about an entertainment where people pick a church, a particular part of the body of Christ that they go to regularly because they like the, pre- they like the preachers, they like what the pastor says because it tickles their ears and it might not push them too much or, or, or make them squirm in their seats, but it makes them, you know, it's like, a, it's like a warm cuddle every time they come into church. Or maybe it's because they like what the worship team does, they like the songs that they do. And woe betide... I was Billy Connolly. I heard him say once that he always thought that Woby Tide was a was a was a lad in another class. <laughs> Woby Tide, the boy, Billy Connolly used to say, and he used to think, whoever that Woby is, I like the sound of him. Um, Woby, I haven't ever used that phrase in my life, but maybe it's prophetic. <laughs> Woby, Woby Tide. If, if you go to this particular church, wherever it is, and they don't do the worship songs that you like for three weeks in a row, or the pastor preaches sermons that you don't like for three or four weeks in a row, because then you'll leave and go somewhere else and try and find another church that entertains you enough that you want to stay there. And that's not what the bride of Christ is about. Jesus Christ leads us to a particular part of the body of Christ where he wants us to be with the particular gifts and the particular callings and the fire inside of us so that we meet together with those people, so we edify each other, so we build each other up, so that we can be about the Father's business in the communities that he's placed us in. The Church of Jesus Christ isn't a cruise ship with the word entertainment written on it. It's a lifeboat with the word mission written along the side of it, and we're all in this together. It's not about coming to church on a Sunday, Sunday morning already drained from the week before and crying out to your pastor and your worship leaders and saying, please fill me. You fill me with enough that can just get me out there again and get me through the week so I can just crawl my way because as soon as I get to Monday, something's going to happen and it's going to knock the wind out of me and I'm going to feel everything, whatever the Holy Spirit did on a Sunday is going to burst. As soon as you leave here today, you'll leave here full of the fire of God and then somebody will cut you up at the traffic lights and (laughs) Suddenly you're sucked back into the world again. 
And then by the time you get to Wednesday, you're already on your knees. So by the time you get to Sunday, you're all crawling your way through the church doors, crawling your way into the building and saying to the pastor and the worship team again, please, please fill me with enough just so I can get out those doors and get into the... That's not the bride of Christ. If you're coming here on a Sunday, depending on everything about you and the fire about you to be on Pete and Leo and, 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 and Alan and Martin, whoever else is in leadership churches, uh, leadership roles, shoulders, or the worship team's shoulders, then not only are you in big trouble, but you're putting far too much of a burden on them. You're going to burn them out, and then the whole thing's going to fall apart. I've seen it, because it happened to me. I used to be pastor of a church for nine years, so I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen when it happens. I've seen it in friends of mine who are, who, are, who are leaders. The Church of Jesus Christ is meant to be about our maintenance is our own personal maintenance with Jesus Christ in our private prayer time, in our getting in the Word of God time, in our going deeper with the Holy Spirit in our own private walk so that we are experiencing the power of God moving in us and through us during the week so that when we come through those doors on a Sunday morning, yes, we're coming here to meet so that we can worship God together so that we can hear the word of God get preached together so we can experience the fellowship together and edify each other but to spare each other on fire each other up listen sister listen brother what Jesus Christ has been doing in me and through me this week so that by the time we walk back out of that door again we're already fired up because we were up to here with our own private maintenance and this has just been something that's made us go does that make sense and I, and, I, and I feel that God is... Uh, I better finish there then. I must have... Because what I'm going to say next isn't pretty. No, I'm only kidding. It's, it's really, really important, honestly. And I, feel, I just feel on my heart that something beautiful and powerful is going to birth in this place. And those foundations need to be put in place. That you're all in this together. You're all standing together with your, with your, with your individual gifts. You've all been given a gift and if you don't know what that is, pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is it you've put in me that I'm supposed to be using in this place? Okay, I didn't mean to say any of that. And I, and, and I, I didn't mean to say this either, but I need to say this. But I, so while we were in it, what time, what time is it? What time did I start? Okay. Two o'clock. <laughs> Listen, don't give me that freedom, honestly. Um, uh, I want to share this very quickly because this is, a, this is a picture that God gave me during the worship. Now, years ago, God gave me this picture for myself, um, but I feel like to, he reminded me of it again during the worship today, but it, I, I don't feel like it's for me. I feel like it's for somebody else in this room, or it could be for several people in this room. But, it, but it's an image um, of Jesus Christ is sitting um, by a fireside, and it's evening time. And the disciples are all sat in a circle, and he's somewhere in the circle, and they're all sat, they're all sat with a fire in the middle. And you are, are part of that, you're part of that circle. But you get up, you get up from the group and and you walk out away from them into the darkness, away where they can't see you, which represents something that you've been getting involved in, something that you've been doing, a certain pattern in your life in some way. Um, a sinful pattern of whatever it is. And by the way, this is not about condemnation judgments. This is about love. And in the picture, 
you come back out of the darkness and you walk back towards the fire where Jesus and the disciples are sat, but you want to walk straight past. You can't even look Jesus in the eye because you don't feel worthy to go and sit back down anywhere near that circle anymore. And your intention is that you're just going to keep going in your shame and your guilt. But Jesus Christ looks up from where he is and he catches your eye and he beckons you to come and sit right next to him. And when you go and you sit right next to him, he doesn't say anything to you, but he just looks right at you in your eyes. And you know in that look that he is saying to you, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. But I love you. You're forgiven. You still have your place next to me, but I want you to stay with me. So whoever that's for, I pray that that the Holy Spirit settles that on your heart. Whatever it is, Don't let it push you away from the presence of Christ because he's calling you intimately right sat next to him at the fire where all the other disciples are that you think are much more holier than you. You know, he didn't say you sit over there because Peter and John are next to me. He said, you come and sit next to me and I know where you've been and you're forgiven, but stay close. Amen. Okay. Uh, so I want to honour I want to honour Pete and Leo and 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 Alan and Martin leadership here for for inviting me down. I've had an amazing time already. I, f- I do feel a deep connection um, already, spiritual connection. Um, it takes a lot for people to invite people they don't know down and give them the freedom of the pulpit because anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. But um, it, it, it's been such an amazing time. Twenty one years ago this year, I was lost. This morning, I got lost again. Because I followed Pete Bardwell's instructions <laughs> from the hotel, which is 10 minutes away, to this church. And I ended up in the middle of a cul-de-sac somewhere, I've got no idea, about eight minutes away from here. But it's okay because revival broke out on the cul-de-sac. <laughs> I'm parked up in this cul-de-sac at me sat nav saying, you are here. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. So I typed the postcode in again and the sat nav went a little bit more impatiently. I told you, you're here. And I said, no, I'm not. So I phoned Pete and he gave me a completely different postcode. <laughs> very, very calmly said to me, oh, I realize what my mistake is. No pressure, Pete. You know, I'm only come, I've only come four hours from, but I haven't come four hours. Okay, I need to get moving into my message. This, 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 this isn't a cuddly message. If you've been at any of the meetings that I've been at this weekend, you'll have heard some of this stuff. This is, the, this is, this is a, a particular message that God's put on my heart to be sharing with the body of Christ at this time. That, I'm not saying that that makes me special. You know, I believe there's lots of believers that God is raising up, preachers to, raising up with this same message because I think it's really important for the bride of Christ at this time, and it's no matter how long you've been a Christian, I'm not interested how long you've been a Christian, I'm interested that you're saved, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how short you've been a Christian, you may have been a Christian for 50 years, whether you feel right now in this room that you are on fire for God, you feel you're in a really good place with Jesus and you're totally on fire, uh, or, or maybe you feel like you are one of these people who's always seeking to go deeper with the Holy Spirit and you feel like you're in the right place for that. Well, if that is you in this place, this message is still here for you to remind you because you should be the one that's igniting the fire in others. If you're in a good place, you should be the one that's getting alongside the ones that aren't in a good place. But it's a message for the body of Christ in this times. And Pete's already kind of um, alluded to it that, the society that we, move, we live and move in now as the bride of Christ has dramatically, dramatically, dramatically changed in the last couple of years. Uh, 
And I know we don't want to keep referring to the last two or three years now, isn't it, of, since COVID first, first hit. But it's important to recognize it, that in that, in that time from when COVID came and shook the world and totally dismantled and, and, and disorganized everything, the world has changed dramatically. And not just what COVID, what COVID ended up doing to society, but society is now facing a constant threat of, of the fallout of war. They're being told constantly that there's a financial crisis coming. They're being told that they always need to be wary because there's another wave of whatever coming. And, and, and there's, there's a sense in, in society, and I see it and I feel it when I'm out on the streets, when I'm, when I'm evangelizing, that, that we're in a world that, that is, I've never, I've never seen in my lifetime a society where everybody's going through the same thing at once. Now, we, we've had it in the world where there's different things going on in different nations and different parts of the world. There might, be a, there might be a hunger crisis over here. There might be a war over here. There might be some kind of natural disaster over here or whatever it is. But everything is happening all at once all over the world. And there's so much fear and there's so much anxiety and they just don't know what's coming next. And when we met yesterday, um, it's Phil, isn't it, from, uh, from what church was it? Central Baptist Church, is it? He, he, he shared with me that, because um, I'd been sharing a bit about this, and he said, do you know that the Oxford Dictionary has actually come up for a word for what society is experiencing right now? And the, wor- the, wor- the word is per- uh, permacrisis. There's actually a word for it. I thought permacrisis, I don't know what it was like in London in the 80s, but in Liverpool in the 80s, everybody had a perm. (laughs) Even some of the women. And I thought that's what a permacrisis was. But allegedly it's not. So basically it means the the world is constantly facing a, they're in the middle of a permanent crisis. There's no end to it. So there's always something around the corner. There's always something hanging over society that they can't, they can't get past, they can't get through. And so all these people are hurting and wounded and afraid and fearful. And it's like this heavy weight, this heavy burden that is, that is hanging over them. Like this long, there's a long COVID hanging over society, not just in, not just in sickness and their bodies are still struggling. You know, people, have, people are grieving still for loved ones that they've lost. But there's a, there's a long COVID because of everything that that did. It destabilized the finances. People lost their jobs. People have lost hope. They don't trust anything anymore. They don't trust anyone anymore. They don't trust the government. They don't trust their own health. You know, the two things that keep, two of the, the biggest things that keep people from coming to Jesus Christ is pride. Firstly, I'm, I'm okay. I'm invincible. I don't need God. God is just a crutch for you. I don't need that crutch. My life's good, thank you very much. I can, ha- I can handle my own problems. I don't need to lean on anything else, so you d- I don't need your Jesus. I'm my own God. And the other thing is a love for this world. So in, in the last two or three years, society has had the rug pulled out from them in every area of their lives where suddenly they feel so vulnerable where they've got no idea whether their health's going to be okay this time next year. They've got no idea whether their bank account's going to have enough in it for them to be able to pay their bills and feed their kids and feed their families. They've got no idea whether the financial crisis is going to take their employment from them. They've got no idea whether the government's going to implode even more and destabilize, or whether there's going to be another war that breaks out. 
And the media is pumping out fear, 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 fear. So every time they turn the TV on and they go to bed, they're lying there with all this fear and anxiety in their minds. And we're wondering why depression and anxiety is at an all-time high and suicide rates are at an, old, an all-time high, such to the degree, the, the degree that in China, in the middle of the COVID crisis, the suicide rates were higher than the deaths from COVID. All ages of suicide. And Jesus Christ says to the enemy, because the enemy's got his hands all over this, and he says to the enemy, you keep on pumping out the fear. You keep on pumping out the anxiety. Do you know why? Because I'm going to use that to, 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 to get the power of my gospel out there. To get the power of the truth of who I am out there. Because these people are now looking upwards and thinking, oh my life, where can I get this hope from? Where can I get this peace from? What can I put my trust in? What, what, kind of, what kind of foundation can I build my life on when it doesn't really matter too much what's happening with my finances? It doesn't really matter too much. It matters, but it's not going to cripple my life what's happening in the world around me because I've got a solid foundation built upon, which is the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we're all nodding and we're all amening. But in the middle of this society, the bride of Christ has gone to sleep. And the bride of Christ has forgotten who she is. Now, we've also been through the same crisis and we're still living in the world that has the same fear. There's people within the church that have suffered loss. They've lost loved ones. They've been through grief, maybe lost their jobs, been through financial crisis. You know, we, we start to feel the same anxiety and the same worry that everybody else faces, but we know better. That we already know, no matter what's going on in the world around us, where our hope should be, should be found. We know where our, where, where, where our peace comes from. We know where our joy comes from. We know that God is our provider. We know that God is our protector. We know that God is our deliverer. So that no matter what we're going through, we can't be mirroring what the world is doing. Because they need to see the Jesus in us. I'm not saying be false and be like robots. I'm saying they need to see the power of the Holy Spirit in the bride of Christ. They need to see the difference of Jesus in his people that attracts them to him. But something, something has gone wrong in the bride of Christ. There's a long COVID hanging over the, the church where all we're talking about is what COVID has done to the church, how COVID shut the church up, how COVID closed the church down, how COVID has made churches smaller. Don't be frightened of churches getting smaller, by the way. I'm not talking about uh, people passing away. I'm talking about people migrating and leaving and going to different churches because God doesn't deal in loss. God deals in pruning and that brings fruit. So if churches have got smaller, actually... If, even if a church goes from 300 people to 40 people, but all those 40 people are on fire and all walking in the same direction, they're going to achieve great things for the name of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. God prunes, cuts back so that more fruit can be born. But, he, but, he, but he's screaming out to the bride of Christ that we've fallen asleep and the world needs to see Jesus in us because he's, the, he's their only hope and we're their only hope of them knowing who he is. I was reading in, um, in 1 Samuel 17, um, these verses, verse 20, 26, 
says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When I read those verses, God gave me a, a revelation through reading them about the state of where the church is right now and, 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 and compared it to this story of Goliath and the army of Israel where you know the story well, where the, the army of Israel is encamped on one side of the, of the battle line and the, and the Philistines, the enemy, are, are, are parked on the other side of, of the battle line. And this is, this is the army of Israel who, who should have known and remembered that they, they were God's army. They were God's people. All the things that God had already done with them, all the battles, all the victories they'd seen when they were obedient to God, all the victories that they'd seen, that God goes before them and was giving them land and was giving them their enemies in their hands when they were massively outnumbered. They should have never been able to achieve what they'd achieved, but, they, but it was God that was achieving it because his hand was upon them. You know, that army. So you've got them on one side, you've got the Philistines on the other, and there's this big monster called Goliath, seven foot or whatever he was, from Liverpool. I've got to say that because I'm now going to say his words in my accent. <laughs> and he's standing there and he's taunting. And every time he comes out, the army of Israel cowers away. And he's taunting them. You're pathetic. I'm, a, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. You're pathetic. You're defeated. There's no way you can come and defeat me. I'll fight you on my own. You send me any one of your men and I'll defeat him. I'll rip him in, into bits. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough type, type talk. And not only is he ridiculing them and, and, and speaking down at them, but he's ridiculing their God. There's no way you can defeat me. And they're cowering away from him. And then along comes this young man called David, who's been sent by his mom and dad with bread and cheese to the battle lines to give to his brothers. <laughs> and he goes to see his brothers, and his brothers treat him terribly. What are you doing here, you little runt? That's what they call him. What are you doing here, you little runt? This is where the men are. This is where the army of Israel is. You've got no right to be here. You should be out on the, on, the, on the fields looking after the sheep. That's the level of what you should be doing. This is where the big fellas hang out. This is where the tough guys are. And while this is all going on, David can hear this monster spouting his lies and his threats from where he is. And David... And again, I'm paraphrasing here, but David kind of goes, how, how long has this been going on? In that voice. <laughs> and when scousers get, get passionate, it goes higher and higher. <laughs> Till only dogs can hear it. How long how long's this been going on? What's, what's going on here? This, 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 how does he describe him? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? How long has this been going on? How long have you lot been cowering away from, 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 the, from these lies? The army of God, the army of Israel, and you're letting this? Who's going to shut his mouth? Who's going to shut his mouth from these threats and these lies? And we know, obviously, David, knowing who he is in God, knowing who God is, Shows the army of Israel who also 
have the same God, but they've forgotten who God is. They've forgotten who they are in God. This young man, knowing who he is in God, he's willing to run out to meet this huge giant in the strength of God and slays him in the strength of God. There's no way David would have been able to beat Goliath if it wasn't for the power of God. It's God that defeats Goliath. But David knows who he is and knows who God is. And in his strength, he achieves God's purpose. And then, and then Israel says, oh, hang on, a, hang on a minute. You know, they get all brave then. Now Goliath's gone, so they all charge forward and they get the victory. The church of Jesus Christ in that illustration represents the army of Israel. Each one of us individually and collectively, knowing who God is and should be remembering what God has done powerfully in our lives, what God has done powerfully in our lives individually, what he's done in our lives collectively. You can all sit there now and immediately think of things that God has done in your life, the victories that he's given you, the powerful things that you've seen God do in your life, his faithfulness in your life. But the bride of Christ has forgotten who God has been to them. They've forgotten who they are in God. They've forgotten about his power. They've forgotten about the power of the gospel. They've also forgotten about the great commission and who we're supposed to be on this world. And they're cowering away from the enemy. And the enemy, Goliath, representing Satan, is spitting his lives over the bride of Christ. And he's saying, COVID has finished you. Look at you. You're depleted. You're much smaller than you were before. Look at society around you. They're angry with God because of all the things. Never mind wanting to know who God is. Even if you bring God to them, they're going to be angry because of the death that they've suffered, the grief, the loss, because of the fear and anxiety. Who is this God? They're going to ask you why God doesn't stop the war in Ukraine. They're going to ask you why the relative that they love died from, died from this COVID disease. They're going to ask you all these questions. They don't want to know about Jesus Christ. You're finished. And not only that, there's no power in you anymore. The power's gone. I'm going to plant churches all over the place who are going to teach their people that the power of God isn't for today. Lord, have mercy. How dare people be preaching from the pulpit that the, the power of the Holy Spirit isn't relevant for today? The power of the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ living inside his people. So, you, so they don't want to know about the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not going to get healed. They're not going to get saved. You just, you just gather in your little entertainment centers. Feel good about yourselves. You're no threat to me when you do that. You gather, you sing about Jesus, no problem with that. Read your Bibles, no problem with that. Pray, I've got no problem with that. But you just stay contained in your little entertainment centers so you can all leave church feeling good about yourselves for being a believer and you leave the world to me. Well, in these days, Jesus Christ is sending, is sending, not comparing myself to David in any stretch of the imagination. And listen, there's a spiritual scaffold around me that will be, remain there until I'm face to face with Jesus Christ. I'm still a work in progress. I'm only sharing stuff with you now that Jesus has brought me to my knees with first in conviction and in repentance, and he's put a passion and a fire in my heart to want to wanna, to wanna say this message to other believers so that they can wake up if they are asleep. But Jesus is saying to the bride of Christ, you need to stand up and be who you are in me because society needs you. You need to go out there and shut his mouth. 
You need to shut his mouth over your, over your meetings. You need to shut his mouth over your own personal walk with Jesus. You need to stop listening to his lies that the church has lost its power, that the, that the word of God has lost its power, that no one wants to hear the gospel. The gospel still has all the power that it's always had. Last night proved that. It's getting proved every day all over the world. People are getting healed. People are getting raised from the dead. Societies are getting changed. Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. <laughs> China, Iran, Afghanistan, all these places. Jesus is proving to the church, okay, you think I'm finished in your nice little cuddly west where you live in Chelmsford and all these places where there's not much threat. Let me show you where the bride of Christ is growing in a place where you get your head cut off if you say out loud that you follow Jesus. So the Lord is saying to the church, he's using people like me to march up and down the lines of the battleground and say to the bride of Christ, who's going to shut his mouth? Who's going to shut the mouth of the enemy? But the difference being that Jesus shut his mouth on the cross. He has no power unless we allow him to have the power. His mouth's already been closed. His time is short. He knows it. And he knows that if we stand up and remember who we are. Do you remember that film, uh, is it Ants? Was it Ants or Bugs Life? One of, one of these films. Sorry, I'm going to go a bit random for a few seconds. <laughs> no, but there's a scene where God really spoke to me powerfully in, in, a, in a cinema. It's a kid's film. Hands up who's been spoken to by God during the most random movies, songs. Secular songs where God's just gone, boop. You, you know, we can speak through, a, through an ass. A-S-S. Okay, careful. <laughs> and I was watching this kid's film. I think it's Ant or Bug's Life. And in this film, whatever it's one it is, if you remember, let me know which one it is. So you've got this, I think they're grasshoppers. And what these grasshoppers are doing, it, it is ants. So the ants are collecting. No, it might be Bugs Life. So these, these, these insects are gathering all the, all the food. They're gathering all the seeds and whatever it is they gather into this big mountain of food. And then every, every whatever it is, every year when it's at its peak, these, these um, grasshoppers fly in and they steal everything that the, ants, the, the bugs have collected and they take it and, and they're all depleted and defeated and they're just living in this cycle of collecting what, what, what they need to, trying to grab as much as they can, and they come and take it all and bully them. And they show this scene where these grasshoppers are in a grasshopper bar. Bear with me. And they're all drinking this stuff that gets them drunk, whatever it is, the grasshoppers drink, I don't know. I don't know, mellow. I don't know, I don't know what they drink. Um, and one of the guys gets cocky, and he starts, he starts spouting off about how they, oh, these insects are. Aren't they pathetic? Aren't they pathetic, these insects, that they let us do this all the time, blah, blah, blah. And the, this chief grasshopper whacks him across the face. And he says, he says to him, he says to him, one day, they're going to wake up and they're going to realize how many of them there are compared to us. They're going to realize how strong they are compared to us. And when they do, we're finished. And God just went, I thought, wow, that's the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit is saying to us in these times, it's time to wake up in the power of Jesus Christ and everything that he has for you and all of his gifts, the power of the gospel, to see the lost get saved, the sick get healed, the demonized get delivered, to see people get set free. That's why we're here. 
I'm going to finish with that in a second, but that's, but that, that's, why, we're, that's why we're here. That's why you're on this earth as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to remember who we are, that, that even if there is less of us, there's far more power in us than whatever the enemy has. He's already finished. He knows he's finished. And he's trying to take as many down with him as he can, and it's our job to stand in the gap and make sure that as many get saved as possible before it's too late. And the world is just open for the gospel right now. Really open for the gospel. Very, very quickly, in five minutes, as quick as I can, let me just share a passage with you that really, this is the passage that brought me to my knees. And I was a, pa- I was a pastor of a church at this point, moving in evangelism, going out onto the streets, preaching the gospel. But I read this passage, and the Holy Spirit just absolutely whacked me to the heart. It's 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, that we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, you've probably been saying that in your mind as I've been speaking it, because you know it so well. Let me say it again in the way the Holy Spirit made me hear it, from my personal, my personal point of view. Therefore, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ... As though right now he's making an appeal through me to you. I beg you to be made right with God. And I read that passage. And I saw in that moment that God showed me that I didn't have a heart for the lost. I thought I had a heart for the lost. But I didn't have a heart for the lost where I wanted to beg them to be made right with God that I cared enough about their salvation. These strangers that I see in the street, family members, immediate family members, friends of mine, whatever, that I didn't have the heart for them, that I knew they were going to hell because they don't know Jesus, but I didn't have the heart in me that wanted to beg them, please be made right for God with God with an urgency. And it took me to my knees to cry out to God and say, Lord, please forgive me. I've been doing evangelism. I've been doing the love of God for the lost, but I want, I want your heart for the lost. I want you to help me to see the lost as you see them. I want your heart for them, that you weep for them. I want that cry from my heart, and I promise you that if you, you come before God with a prayer like that, he's going to answer it in spades. Why? Because the word of God says that if we ask for anything and it's in line with the will of God, then we're going to get it. And I can tell you now that as many people getting saved as possible is right in line with the will of God. And he's looking for believers who are willing to have that cry with inside them. And if you have that cry with inside you, you're going to see the lost get saved. And it was a revolution inside of me. But Paul also says in that passage, he says, as ambassadors for Christ. And again, I'd read that word time and time again, and it has had no effect on me. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit showed me exactly who it is that an ambassador is. So therefore, exactly who I am in Jesus Christ. An ambassador, am I okay for another five minutes, please? An ambassador, as we know it in, in worldly terms, is somebody, an important person, who is from one nation, but they've been sent to another nation. So their passport says they belong to Cuba and their, or whatever it is, and their feet have been planted in Great Britain with the intention that everybody that they come across, that everybody that they do business with, 
they're going to show them the very best of the kingdom that they're from. They're going to show them the very best of the, of the government that they're from. They're going to show them the very best of the people of that nation in the way they behave, in the way they speak, in the way they carry themselves, in the way they do business with the intention that everybody that they come across from the nation that they've plant, been planted in is going to want to do business with the kingdom that they come from. Well, Jesus Christ calls every single one of us his ambassador individually. Not just the big guys, not just the Billy Grahams and the whoevers. Every single one of us, from the moment we say yes to Jesus Christ, we immediately become his ambassador. We are spiritually, from that moment, we belong to the kingdom of heaven. Our spiritual passport says that we are from the kingdom of heaven. We are aliens in this world. We don't belong here. We're only here for a short time, but eternally we'll be going home where our spiritual passport says we live. But we are physically planted on this earth with the intention that individually and collectively we represent everything that's good about the kingdom that we belong to. We represent everything that's good about that king and what it means to be under the rule of that king. So his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his power, all of that stuff, the way we live, the way we move, the way we speak, the way we do business with people with the intention that every single person that we come across as an ambassador of the spiritual kingdom we belong to is that impressed and that drawn to our king in our kingdom that they're going to want to do business with him. And every single one of us, you, every single one of you in this room today, Jesus Christ has said to you, you now belong to me. You're forgiven, you're free, you're washed clean. I've come and made a home in you and I know you're imperfect and I know you think things and say things and do things that you shouldn't do, but you still are in me. You're forgiven, you're still free and you, I trust you even with all your weaknesses I trust you with my name. I trust you with my gospel. I trust you with my kingdom. I trust you with my power. And I trust you with souls. Every single one of you, not just the evangelists. Every single one of you. That's why we're here. Otherwise, from the moment when we say yes to Jesus, he would take us straight to glory. But he says, I'm not going to take them out of the world. That was his prayer, wasn't it, over the disciples and over the church. I'm not going to remove them from the world. I'm going to leave them here, and they're going to represent me because there's work to do. There's kingdom fathers business to do. You are not here as a far, purely as a father or a mother. You're not here purely as a husband or a wife. You're not here purely because you're a teacher or a nurse or a doctor or a bin man or whatever you do, whatever the job you do in this society, that's not why you're here. That's the job that you do to pay the bills. That's the wonderful gifts that God has given us with each other, our husband, our wives, our children, all that wonderful things from God. You're here because you belong to Jesus Christ. You're his ambassador and he wants to use you to lead people to him. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, and immediately I can see on people's faces that you're terrified. Is this guy asking me to go out and do what he does on the streets and really, and to, it's not, listen, people always immediately, when evangelist speaks, they always immediately think he's saying, get out there in the streets, get a microphone and preach the gospel. Some of you may be asked to do that. Some of you may be evangelists and you don't even know it yet. This is about your daily walk. This is about your daily life. Shining with the light of Jesus Christ wherever you are as his ambassador so that people will be attracted to Jesus Christ. And he will use your gifts. I've met people this weekend. 
people who have been really shy and really humble and they've come up to me and they've said, I really want to really lead people to Christ, but I'm, I'm a really shy person. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not somebody who can stand on a platform. And I've said, that's beautiful because God's going to use your humbleness. God's going to use your gentleness. He's going to use it individually and specifically to lead people to him in the way that only you can do. I've got a big mouth, Alan. And I'm not frightened to get out on the streets and spout off. I'm not, I've got a big mouth wherever I am, but that's me. That's how God's made me. That's how God is using me. That might, that you might be the total opposite, but God wants to use you powerfully to win souls. And I'm going to finish with this. The joy, the joy, the joy of your own salvation. When was the last time you thought about the joy of your own salvation? To, to think about these things of what it is to be an ambassador, to think about what it is to be filled with Christ, to think about what it is, the beauty, the preciousness, the power of what it is to be called a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that should stir up in you a joy of what it means for you to be saved. When's the last time you sat and thought about what it means for you personally? I shared this yesterday. I was on the, I've, I've you know, been moving in evangelism for some time now and I'm always thinking about how souls can get saved. I'm always thinking about how God can use me. I'm always thinking about this, thinking about that, blah, 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 blah. Probably a lot of it God's not even asking me to think. And I was on the beach with my dog, my dog in Donegal in Ireland and I was walking on the beach and I was already thinking about when I get home, right? What do I need to do when I get home? Is I need to blah, blah, blah. And Jesus Christ just walloped me in a, in a loving way. He didn't just go... He said, I dropped to my knees on the beach because just in that moment, he just, he just let me see, let me experience how much he loved me. I know you love, you love lost, Mark, and I know you want to do this, and you want, I know you want to do that. I'm not even asking you to do half of it, but I know you're, you, you're looking at doing it. But I want you right now in this moment to remember how much I love you, that you're the most precious thing in the universe to me. And, and I was just filled with this joy of, I'm saved. I'm saved. I've got a place in the kingdom of heaven already. It was beautiful. And it didn't stir up in me, you know, a selfishness. It just stirred up the excitement even more that I want other people to experience what I've experienced. If we're not carrying the joy of our own salvation as a society, how can we possibly expect to win over people to Christ when we're we're twice as miserable as they are. No offense. You're filled with joy. You're not. <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it, where you can stand at the front and you can give a rally cry and, and you can be, everybody in it, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're filled with the power and we're all going to the kingdom of heaven. Everyone goes, everyone goes, amen, amen, amen. And they say, well, tell your face. You believe all this stuff. Tell your face. If we're, if we're, if we're going to take stuff to the people on the streets, and, and we're, we're, we're not salesmen, by the way, for Jesus Christ. They just need to see we're not trying out of our own efforts to charm them into the kingdom of heaven. They just need to instinctively see the joy and the peace in us so that that's attractive to them. You know, and be real with them. Look, mate, I've, I've suffered loss, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've been this, I've been that, you know, I've been ill, all the rest of it. But listen, I can tell you that even in the middle of that, Jesus Christ holds me fast. And you can have this peace. You can have this joy. Okay, I'm going to leave it there because I, 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 I'm already 10 minutes over. But it's about having a desire and a heart to see that, a genuine desire and a heart to genuinely care 
about people's salvation, to care about it, you know? And if you don't feel that for the lost, ask God to give it you, because he will. Ask him to give you his heart for the lost. It's about waking up and remembering who we are in Christ. Whichever mad illustration you want to remember today, whether it's the grasshoppers or, or whether it's David and Goliath, whatever it is that you need to re- be reminded of, but the church of Christ needs to wake up to who we are because the world needs to see it in you. And this church is going to become a powerful, powerful, powerful light on a hill in this community if you're willing to step into those things. And you will see the lost get saved. And you will see the sick get healed. You'll see it all. Amen. Look, before we, before we move on, I know you want to go into ministry time now, but before we do that, I just want to give an opportunity to anybody in this place who knows that you want to get right with God right now today. 21 years ago, I got asked to get out of my seat and walk to the front of a, a church building, and it was terrifying. It's the best thing I ever did. Because getting up out of that seat and, and, you know, Jesus had shown me that I needed him and that he was what I needed in my life. And being asked to get out of my seat, walk to the front was a physical, a physical proclamation. Yes, I want to do this and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go down there. And a guy helped me pray and ask Jesus into my life for the first time. Now, you may be in here today. You may have been coming to church for a while. Maybe you've been coming here under your mom and dad's faith. You know, that, that, that you come in here because your mom and dad bring you here, but really you want, to, you, want to, you want to ask Jesus Christ into your life personally today. Maybe you're someone who's come to church for years, but it's like a religious, just I just go to church because that's what I do. I call myself a Christian, but maybe the Holy Spirit's touching you today and you know that you've never made a full commitment to Christ. Or maybe you're a guest here and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, ever. I can promise you that he loves you so much and he's got so much for you and he wants to set you free. And don't be embarrassed if you think other people are going to look at you and think, I thought they were a Christian. Or whatever it is. Listen, there's no pride in the kingdom of heaven. Everybody in this place will be cheering you on if that's you. The kingdom, the whole kingdom of heaven is cheering you on. So as everyone closes their eyes, if there's anybody in this place that knows you need to ask Jesus Christ into your life, Would you be willing to come out to the front and join me? I know it's a bold move, but I ask you to come out to the front because we want to help pray with you. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. Don't be frightened of what other people think. We had two brave people came to the front last night after a very long pause. And I don't know everyone in this room. You may all be born again believers. I don't know. And that's amazing if that's the truth. But is there anybody in this room who really wants to commit to Jesus today? Let's have a celebration. Come out to the front and let's pray. This brave guy has come to the front. Not brave, okay. Does anybody else like to come and join him? Please don't be shy. We're just going to pray. That's all we're going to do, but it's going to be powerful.
Someone's heart's beating. I know someone's heart's beating right now. But you can't move out your seat. I'm just encouraging you to just stand up. Once you stand up <laughs> and push through it. If it's a bit too much for you to come to the front, would you at least put your hand in the air so I can see where you are? Everyone else's eyes are closed. Would you put your hand in the air so I can see where you are? And we can pray with you privately or... You okay? Do you want to come out? Come on. You can do it. Come on. Come on. Do you want someone to come out with you? Do you want to come out? This is why I, I'm never afraid of long pauses, honestly. Alan, I thought you were coming out to get saved, and I thought that, that's, that's going to shake the foundations of the church. <laughs> is there anybody else? It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. I'm going to give it a few more moments and then, then we'll move on. But please don't be shy. Just one last time, if you put your hand in the air, if that's you, but you don't want to come out, and then we're going to move on. Okay. So are you guys, are you guys asking Jesus into your life for the first time? Or was it a long, long time ago? I believe uh, that a long time ago. Yeah, but I just feel like I, uh, I just feel like I need to do it in front of people. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. so many times you do, you you ask, and uh, you sometimes think, "Will I do it this way?" And then you think, "Well, will I do it this way? Why not just declare it?" That's, that's what I want I just want to declare that I'm not afraid to say it in front of people. I mean, I've called myself a Christian and I've been going to church for about 10 years, and uh, which is not a long time, really. But, cheers, I don't normally read one of these, but, but I just, I don't think I've ever stood up in front of anybody and actually said, that I'm asking for Jesus to come to my life now. Uh, I have asked that, and I know he is in my life, but I, I was thinking, why am I afraid to go up and say it in front of people? And, uh, and if I hadn't, I would have walked out thinking that I was. But I'm not, so that's why I'm standing here. <laughs> Bless you, bro. Is it the, fir is it the first, first time for you? No. The only thing's coming to my mind is that I'm hiding. It's too hard. Okay. Okay. So the Holy Spirit's moving in a specific way. Um, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I think we, we'll...
we, we will pray that we will pray the prayer of salvation as a foundation. Not, not, if you've already asked Jesus into your life, this is not a redo. We're going to say it as a declaration, and we're all going to say it with you together. And then we're, and then, um, we're going to pray for these guys and, and just pray for boldness. I think you need, you need personal ministry time, don't you? Um, maybe we can get somebody, some people to pray with you about whatever it is you're struggling with and these things. But what's your name, sorry? Gary. Gary, you're quite cool, mate, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to grow my... All right, big head. All right, big head. <laughs> um, okay, what's your name? Kim. Kim. Okay, Gary and Kim. These guys are all going to say it with us. We're all going to say it together. Um, we're going to go through the prayer, the prayer of salvation, whatever that is. And then, um, and then we're going to a ministry time. Um, if, if we've got, we got time for that, Pete? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you guys say this with me? Repeat after me and we're all going to say it together. And if you're sat there today and you know you really wanted to come out, this is your opportunity from your heart to God's to do, to do this also. Um, and please, if you do do it, you know, speak to somebody and, and let somebody know because you need support and you need prayer. So, okay. Lord Jesus Christ. I have heard today that you are God, that you are the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. That nobody comes to the Father but through you. I believe you made me, that you love me, that you have a plan for my life, that you died on a cross for my sins that you rose again from the dead to prove your God. That you promised me that through faith in you that I am forgiven, that I am free, that I am filled with your Holy Spirit and I have a place in the kingdom of heaven forever. Please forgive me for all of my sin. Wash me clean. Give me a new start. A new life. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive your power and your gifts. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. And I thank you for my salvation. And eternal life. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay. Has Pete been raptured? Oh, there he is there. Sorry. I thought you'd been raptured there for a minute, Pete. Just you. That would have been disappointing, wouldn't it? <laughs> Listen, there's no way if the rapture had happened that Margaret would still be here. No, that's a compliment, Margaret. <laughs> See what I mean? Flirty. <laughs> uh, what do you want to do now, mate? What do you want to do? <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to do, Pastor? I don't know. Um, okay. I, so I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm here for whatever before I go home today. So if anybody does want prayer for anything whether it's specifically for boldness and sharing your faith or it's something you want to share. But I know there's, I know there's, uh, Pete, you've got your, 
Um, we're, we're kind of running out of time, but I, I just, I mean, A, I want to say thank you to you. Um, it, the, these mornings, these weekends, this, these are so important because we get wonderful folk like Mark who come and they lean into our momentum and they give it an almighty, don't they? And then we're going, okay, now we've picked up a bit more. And, um, and that's what God's doing amongst us. Um, during the worship, um, Raj, do you want to come up? I don't know if you've got anything that you feel specifically. We just wanted to do a little bit of ministry. Um, very briefly, I was just feeling um, the story of, you know, the widow of Zarephath story that's in um, uh, with Elijah. I can't remember which book it's in. It's not important. But there's this lady thinks that she's got nothing. And I just felt there were folk in the room who you feel like, yeah, this, this all sounds great, this sounds brilliant for these people that maybe have got you know, more energy than me or more clarity than me on what my thing is or whatever. And I just felt there was a sense of disqualifying yourself. And, uh, and I, like that widow did where she said, I haven't got, you know, what have I got? I haven't got you know, anything at all. And then she said, actually, I've got this oil and I've got this flower and it was enough. And, and I feel like God wants to speak over you. I've, I've given you what you need so that you can play your part in this. And you might, you, you know, you might be feeling, I, I haven't got much. But I just feel he wants to remind you. I, actually, I, and also not only that, but you are the gift. Um, I remember we, um, we had about, was it Robbie Dawkins' mum or something, where, where she literally she put herself in the offering basket. And you might think, I've got nothing to bring. You might even feel a bit broken, a bit like, you know, this isn't going to... He's saying, why don't you just put yourself in yeah. and then see what I do with that. Yeah. So if that's you, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Yeah. You got anything to add? Yeah, I just sense that, you know, when Mark was talking about David and Goliath and the fear, <laughs> how the Israelites forgot who they were and they, all, they were fearful. And I think sometimes with the whole thing about evangelism, there's fear, we're scared, you know? And I just want to, I feel God wants to break that. And he wants you to know who you are in him. And so if, and I, I feel this anxiety, that the enemy's got us trapped in anxiety and fear. And that's not our inheritance. That's not what our king died for. He died to set you free. So fear is the thing that's crippling you. That's holding you back. So let us pray for you that that boldness that Mark carries, it's a gift from God that he wants to release to you as well. So I want you to encourage you to come forward if you want to break that fear and exchange that fear with faith and with courage because that's what God wants to give you. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Sound mind. So if that's you, just stand up. If you want to break that fear, got to be bold, got to stand up. Or stay in, yeah, thank you, Lord. Oh, there's more. The fear is holding you back. Anxiety, I feel that anxiety, we want to break anxiety from the church. Because anxiety just robbed us of too much. Because the world needs the anxiety broken off their life. But you, if we've got anxiety, and we've got to get that out of our lives so we can offer the world more. Because God has got to do, he wants to do stuff in us so then we can bring it out there. We can't give what we haven't got. 
So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we take authority of the spirit of fear right now. We command it to go right now. In Jesus' name, go off people's minds, go off their hearts, go off their spirit, get off their body as well. Where fear and anxiety is brought sickness and infirmity. In the name of Jesus, we command it to leave right now. In the name of Jesus, we break every partnership we have made with fear. In the name of Jesus, we break off generations curse of fear get off right now in the name of Jesus we are not going to step into fear anymore but we break his power right now in the name of Jesus we break every partnership every lie that we've believed and we say in the name of Jesus I just believe we've got to take a step forward and in the name of Jesus I take a step forward and say right now I step into who I am in you Jesus I step into my true identity as a child of God, full of faith, full of love. Perfect love drives that fear. So I just invite you, Holy Spirit, more love, more of your love right now. He wants you to know his love, his love that transcends all understanding, his peace, his peace, peace like a river flowing through your mind, flowing through heart. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just say sound mind instead of